Welcome to the Hard Rock Show. I'm Andrew. I'm Tim. I'm Brendan. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, technically, it's the other way around, but that's all right. Um, here we go again. Uh, if you want more of our shenanigans, then please make sure you're following all of our social media channels uh, to keep up to date with all of our uh, professional standards that we have here. Uh, check out our Patreon page too if you'd like to give us some support while we're talking about that sort of stuff. A big, wonderful thank you to our wonderful sponsors in Squidding, Screenprinting, Alt-Cont and Rockstar Finance. Their details as well as ours are in the description for this video or audio file wherever you are checking this content out today. Uh, this episode, we're going to go through the latest from Vessel, Tommy Lee, Mr. Bungle, and Seven Dust. We'll have a hot topic in just a second as well. We have a diverse episode this week. Uh, but first off, how's everyone going? How's your week been, Brendan? Oh, up and down. Uh, yeah. Some dramas with the animals and pets at home, and that's always bloody awful to deal with. But, um, you know, it's also part of life's rich tapestry. It's just something we all have to deal with from time to time. And, it's obviously the worst thing about owning pets yes uh, saying goodbye is bloody hard but um mm-hmm. but other than that it's been okay that works works flying um you know i've been out to the pub a couple of times again and restaurants and the like and i haven't seen so many happy people out and about for a long time so mm. it's refreshing it's wonderful um melbourne's done a great job of you know cleaning up what was a hell of a mess well so, as we do this yeah. it's six days in a row of donuts yeah, so let's hope that keeps keeps on keeping on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, happy days. I'm glad everyone seems happy. Everyone's got a bit of, a bit of a spring in their step again. So yeah, I'm in a good place. Cool. Tim, how about you? Yeah, well, pretty good to be honest. You know, heading out to the pub after work mm. is a is a good time. Mm. You know, is mm-hmm. is good to be back. Mm. <laughs> oh, we have nothing. Uh, we haven't done anything like going to the pub yet. Well, I think we're just what? waiting on. <laughs> oh, taking forever. Yeah. What's going on? No, well, because one, we don't have anyone near us to go with. Two, we don't know any of the local haunts here yet. Um, That's okay. It's a good best chance to find out. Yeah, I know that, but it's also a matter of time and that as well. I think we're hanging on. I think our routine won't really kick over until we see the girls again, and that'll hopefully come back yeah. after the announcements on the weekend. Hopefully, fingers crossed that we'll be able to do that. Once we get through that, I think then we'll start to bounce back to a bit of normalcy in our routine. You can see the light in the tunnel now. We're just hoping that it's not just held off for another week or whatever else, because that'll be hard. That's the important part. There's mm-hmm. there's a light at the end of the tunnel now. Yeah. yeah. And we know we're getting through it and all this other stuff. And it's it's been all around for us this week and, and improving steadily overall in that regard. It's just yeah. Get we if we can tick that box for us personally, that'll be the that'll be when it feels more real. Otherwise our routine hasn't changed in any sort of way, shape, or form till this stage. So that and hopefully we can get together to film a Christmas special in person, hopefully. That would so, be good. Still working on the new set. Yeah. That would be nice to see break you guys in. once this year. It's been a while. Yeah, once this year, Tim. Wow. Yeah, we've seen you guys once once this year. Really? When we filmed the uh, end of year special. Yeah, that's right. Because before that, that the... we were up north getting married, and that. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and then there was the the one episode taping at the very start of the year, which I think Nick and Mick did. Yeah. And that was it. Then the world went nuts. Yeah. Wow. We, all, we, we, we caught up in a ragdoll gig. Yeah, we did that. In January. And yeah, that's been it. Scary. 
ironically enough, the last time I was at a pub. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Mind you, we did we did partake of plenty at the wedding, so that sort of We gave it a nudge. Yeah, we gave it a good go. <laughs> it was good times all around. Anyway, um, let's get on to the hot topic for this week. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can see it coming first. All right. Yeah. All right. Hillsong have recently bought Festival Hall. And this is basically us giving our thoughts on that. Let's go to Brendan first this time around. <laughs> the look on your face says it all right now. Um Okay. This is nothing against anyone's religious beliefs because you can believe in whatever fucking rubbish you want. I really couldn't give a shit. This annoys me, not that they've bought it. It annoys me the fact they can fucking afford to. Mm. Um, You know, for an organisation that wouldn't pay a bloody cent in tax and, you know, they're basically a bunch of thieves preying on, you know, a bunch of sad, influential, uh, so easily influenced um, people. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of gets on my tits a bit. Um, <laughs> and the fact that they've been allowed to buy something that really shouldn't have been for sale, it's just one of those yeah. things that probably should have been government-owned and sponsored. And, you know, it's not only an iconic building, not an iconic, it, look, it's a fucking chook shed. We know that. Mm. But it was our chook shed. And it means yeah. a lot to a lot of people from, you know, from way back when to, you know, first concert I ever saw was that festival hall granted mm. it was 1927 and one one knee but yeah that doesn't matter it was still the first concert i ever went to um so you know it's just it doesn't sit well with me because you know they can sit there and say oh it's still going to be a live music venue but you know assuming we're going to be it's going to be fully seated and listening to peter paul and mary i've got a bit of a problem with it but you know Hopefully they prove me wrong, but I, I seriously doubt they will because they're probably the most morally bankrupt fucking institution on the planet. So fuck them. Mm. And uh, I'm not happy about it in case you didn't gather. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Tim, follow that up. I'll criticise your religion. You can all get fucked. <laughs> um, you're not going, you, if there is a hell, that's where you're going. Yeah. Um, uh, to quote, to quote, to quote Jesus, uh, a camel has a better chance of uh, walking through the eye of a needle than a rich man of getting into heaven. Yeah. Um, You guys are the antithesis of uh, everything that the the guy that you worship uh, uh, supposedly says. So, you know, you can all get fucked. Um, Again, you know, it was our our place. You know, the the second gig I went to was there. It was the Arctic Monkeys. And um, I, said, I, said, I, said, I said this, you know, privately, but say it publicly here, you know, I think this is really an Australian problem. We've got a real problem with protecting our, our cultural history. Yeah, indeed. This country, and, you know, obviously there's, you know, obviously there's a long colonial history that we're all collectively running from, um, but there's also, you know, Going back to the 1956 Olympics where we basically flattened Melbourne and rebuilt it because we didn't want to appear old. Yeah. And, um, you know, only a few buildings survive from that era, which is, you know, like Flinders Street Station and whatnot. Yeah, not much. And uh, it, it keeps going on until then. And this, this is just another this is just another chapter of that, you know. From a practical standpoint, I think, you know, 
it doesn't hurt as much now as it would have, you know, with my court arena being repurposed as a concert venue. I think that'll take a lot of the, the similar size. Well, he's bands, having to rename that one too. Yeah. Even so, but look, to be honest with you, like this is, is a great shame. It's a great um, travesty. And, and like I said, um, the fact that they this staying would still be a live music venue is a little consolation to me because the fact is if they knocked it down and put apartments in there, those apartments would be paying taxes, whereas these guys are not. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're collectively just a drain on the community. So fuck them all. They can all get fucked. And I, 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 wish, I wish them all uh, deep pain and sorrow. Very well put. Yep. Um, I had a feeling this was going to be an interesting one, so it <laughs> <laughs> has not disappointed. Look, on the moral side of things, I'm in complete agreement with what everyone has said here tonight. I think that for an institution that big that doesn't pay tax to be able to afford that in the middle of a pandemic when it would have amounted to a fire sale, when it's a history, like the history of that building from the music and the sporting side, which is what Melbourne is, um, is to have that just been swept up like that and no one really like no one even really knew that it was coming the last the last thing anyone had heard about it was that it, there was a big fight because it was going to become apartments and then it got that got nixed because of heritage listings and now a church has come in and let's not get into what you know the church does to history over the years um but the, <laughs> even calling the church is a bit bold they're registered as yeah. that aren't they mm. That's how they get their tax-free status. So, you know. Um, so, you know, in, if you want to go down the road of playing devil's advocate, not that it's a comfortable thing to do, but if you want to play devil's advocate here, the fact they're not paying tax makes it easier for them to be profitable, which means hopefully if they do keep to their word, we'll get more shows there more often. I, not no, like I said, I think it's a Guy Sebastian residency. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. I'm just saying what they have said. They said it's going to stay the same. They'll do sporting. They'll do the heavy metal and rock gigs. They'll do all those things. They say that now. I'm not buying it for a second, but if you go by down that path, then the tax-free ability means that it has a better chance to be profitable, which means hopefully it would continue on. Now, I'm not buying any of that for a second. This is purely for the sake of argument. I generally wonder if say, for instance, Marilyn Manson was touring here, if he'd play there knowing who owns it. Because I seriously doubt he would. And that was my next point. I don't know who is going to play there considering who knows the history of that organisation. Mm. And especially in Australia. So it's an interesting one in that regard too because how many people... Now, not everyone's going to do this. And generally speaking, the populace are going to go and see what they want to see. And that's good. Go for it. Do you think? The um, But for those that pay a bit more attention and have a moral opposition to that brand owning that building, be it, be it artists or be it um, consumers, Jody, um, <laughs> then how many of us are actually going to put any money into that building? I tell don't you get wrong. No. Yeah. I, I, don't get me wrong. They'll put the, the happy clap of shit on and they'll be right. They'll make their money. That's not a problem for them. But I think ultimately regardless of who's owned it now, I think we've still now lost Festival Hall because Absolutely. most metalheads aren't going to go there. Most metal bands aren't going to play there 
or rock bands for that matter. And as such, what it meant to us is now a memory and it's going to become a happy clapper center. They'll renovate the inside out of it. They will keep the facade. They'll do everything they can to stay just within the, the parameters of, you know, the, the heritage listing. Yeah, the heritage stuff. And then they'll, it won't they'll, be a floor. It'll be seated. Mm, they'll kill it otherwise. It, it'll be killed. It's, if it's not dead already. It, mm. And well, this ties dead? into what Tim okay, was saying about, well, yeah, but our, our history in this country of destroying, we're only a couple hundred years old, but we've already wiped the slate and started over how many times. And it's madness. And we've lost. And the thing is that for, for us anyway, we keep seeming to lose venues to this nonsense, this you know mm-hmm. idea of being. And then, and, then, and then we wonder why as a country, we were always following somebody else is because we've got no identity. That's why we keep following America because we don't, we don't, we don't, know who we are. Yeah. We don't hang on to what we've built for ourselves. That's and, what I mean. Like Australian, like again, the Australian, I'm going to get flack for this, but Australian patriotism is skin deep. It's, it's, it's a flag of a song. Yeah, I'll agree with that. We and, you know, the, the important parts, which is, you know, you know, looking after collectively as a country, what you've created and the good things you've achieved. Mm. You know, looking as that, you know, just everything really, that that all gets wiped clean mm. and forgotten about. I think to a degree we had it post-World War II when the mateship thing was the big deal. I think that's been eroded over the years. And there yeah, are that's, been, that's been wiped out clean as well. That's long yeah. gone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying referencing back then, I think we kind of had it. But even in our lifetime, it's been rapidly diminished. So... We're at, we're at an interesting point as a nation in, in the respect of not only those things, but also just in generally respect how we treat the arts in this country. And if you look at the the overall thing where the government funding goes, we've got that massive announcement with Guy Sebastian speaking of all this nonsense and, and you know, not a penny has been sent to anyone out there at all to help the arts. This government and this country has a real institution. Uh, my guess is a lot of it will go to Hillsong artists. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's more or less, yep. Uh, uh, who, who, who ironically paid no taxes to contribute to that money. Mm-hmm. And therein lies the round and round and round we go again. Anyway. Yeah, all get, yeah. <laughs> I think it's fucked. pretty much a, a, a round table concession of, yeah, they can fuck off. I would have loved to have seen it fucking, you know. There are people like Eddie Maguire that you know, always talk the talk, but they never stump up and help out yeah but at the end no because it's not it's not whether like Eddie Maguire is part of their club Mm. you know his branding his branding is is that he's you know the 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 working class boy from Broad Meadows who made it (laughs) but the fact is he's still he's still part of that he's still like when we're trying to rock the boat it's still his boat and he's in that boat with Hillsong so yeah. he's not going to rock that boat. Yeah, true. That's, that, that's, I mean, that's the fact. He's been trumpeting for a long time about not playing fucking football on Good Friday because he's fucking Catholic Church ties. And mm. He's that's, in, that's, he's in that's, the club. That's, that's the fact. Isn't... And I mean, we're not going to get the changes that we want so long as we've got people like Eddie Maguire on our side. Mm. The fact is, he's not one of us. No. He's not in our club. No. So we've got... Uh, as 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 people, we've got more in common 
we've got nothing in common with Eddie Maguire. Yeah. No, it's a, I think it's a, I think, yeah, no, it's true. I think it's a case of a Viva La Revolution. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a, he plays the part well. Mm. Yeah. No, I wasn't saying that he's one of us. I was saying yeah, he usually tries to drop the interest and the money and there. Yeah, nothing was done in that regard either. And it's like, yeah, okay. We keep hearing about it. I'd throw James Young into the same boat as well. He keeps whipping up a storm, but nothing yep. ever actually happens. Um, there's yeah, a few he's... There. yeah. We'll be mindful of what we say on the record on that one. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to say I think... poser, but he's a poser. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm not a huge fan person, but oh, well, it is what it is. Uh, anyway, I think we should. Well, Jody tries to hold in a sneeze. <laughs> That's a segue into our first review of the evening. I think we'll we'll leave it there. Give us your thoughts on that topic out there. That'll be, I'm sure, that's going to get some conversation going. So that'll be interesting. Um, but anyway, our review first up uh, for the first local one for this week is Vessel with Vagabond Blues. We were trying to twist Jimmy's arm into doing this one with us after the success we had with him doing the last one, the debut album, but we couldn't quite get him over the line. So we figured we've got to move on and get it done anyway. And Jimmy said, no, go ahead and do it. So here we are. So this is Vessel with Vagabond Blues, seven tracks for 38 minutes, the second album for the Australian band released February this year, 2020 by Majestic Mountain Records. Recorded and mixed by Jesse Oberon with drums by Ben Todd, mastered by Magnus Lindbergh. Like I said, we did the, the debut album a few years ago now, which was hilarious. So go and watch that one online if you want to. But now we'll go to Tim with his take on this album. Yeah, this is really, really good. Um, it's a wonderful little mix of like that sort of modern blues rock that people are doing and that kind of like 90s stoner rock. Mm. And yeah, it's it's a like a really it's a really clever mix that I that that I, I, I once I heard it I feel like I should have heard more of it from other yeah. bands, but I realize I haven't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I really quite like it. I like the blended tones as well between like sort of meshing those two styles together and sort of having that nice smooth Caiusy lead tone with that yeah. sort of uh, like kind of shuffling blues thing happening. So I thought overall it was really good. I like the chorus. I like the um, like like they're all just well constructed rock songs in that regard as well too. So this is all pretty pretty rock solid stuff. Um, eight out of ten. Twenty twenty is my highlight. It's a really good solid album. Like for half an hour listen, it's pretty it's pretty great. Mm. Cool, Brendan. Yeah. Um, look, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, and I really enjoyed it the first time around. And I think it was it was not long after that infamous first vessel review that I actually sort of started getting involved in the show a bit funnily enough mm. but yeah. so i remember that review quite clearly i'm thinking gee, i think i was in the you audience were there that night weren't you i don't know was i i, I think you were i couldn't remember if i was there or if it was an all australian special so i'm pretty sure you were there yeah, we were on might, the orange I, one I that might night i've been there in the old hq so yeah, it was future. if it was it was like right when i started coming or it might have been yeah. the first time i was there maybe yeah um, yeah so, look it was it was bloody funny and it, it was interesting. I was listening to this and I'm thinking, I was thinking, wow, this sounds so much better than the first one, like sonically. And then I went back and listened to the first one. I'm like, no, it doesn't actually. That sounded really good too. <laughs> they both sound, they, they, they've got a really good sound out of it. And like, yep. like Timmy was saying, when you get that sort of, I don't want to say doomstone rock because it'll give people the wrong idea of what yeah. it is. There's so many of those doomstone things sound the same. Yeah. And you know, you're just going to hear that like over the top fuzz. And you don't get that. To me, no, this, it's, that, it's that kind of like smooth creaminess. Yeah, yeah. I, 
I'd sort of say almost like the first Black Sabbath album recorded really well. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like mm. it's got it's got that light and shade yeah. and stuff, but it doesn't have it's a vintage tone, but it doesn't sound old. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I I loved it. I I gave it eight and a half out of ten as well. I yeah. think much like their their first one, this just carries on. And again, I know very little about them. I based on that first, I tried to do a bit more research, but I still don't know who. Yeah, no, I think there's still a, a lot of information out there. No, it's weird. I think the real names have been announced with the band members now. I think it's settled into a three-person lineup, whereas I think the first album was more of a solo project, but that's yeah. about as far as it sort of gets now. Better than Mr. and Mrs. Vessel or yeah. we were last time. <laughs> um, but no, no, it's great. I loved it. Vagabond Blues, Dark and the Light, and The Devil's Backyard. Who was the female vocal on that? Um, it's oh, amazing. Yeah, they, this is where it gets funny because they named her as Sue D. Nim. that's perfect that's all i need to know i love it (laughs) there you go but it was a beautiful vocal wasn't it oh it's amazing yeah loved it great vocal this is different to the debut album the debut was probably more experimental and more you know quote-unquote doomy than this one is this one's more at tempo more atmospheric and riff driven than the previous one but I, you know, my, my, my notes is that this should keep Jimmy awake at least. <laughs> sleep in, the last in a good one. way. In a good way, yes. Yeah. Um, I love the groove, the energy. Uh, the melody and the lyrics are really good on this as well. Uh, what is it? The, if you go through the band camp details on this, they've, it's described as having three acts on the way they've broken it down and that. And they've actually done that pretty well because when you go through the album phases, it's actually split open really nicely and it, and it flows beautifully, all that sort of stuff. It's really well done. It starts off upbeat, then it goes into sort of the more dark and atmospheric style. And it's, it just sort of goes through those motions really nicely in the listen. The third instrumental track on this, um, that really kicked that gear over for me. You can tell when they're sort of doing a gear change. It was just really nicely done. Like you said, the Black Sabbath album, I put it down here as it's like Black Sabbath doing desert rock is what yeah. I got out yeah. of that. Um, the production nailed it in that regard. They got the the clicky sort of bottom end along with the fuzzy mid-tones, but nothing is overcooked. It's not that, you know, you hear doom rock or, or stone rock and it, like you guys saying, everyone expects the full-blown whatever. This is really clean by comparison with a lot of it. And it's really refreshing to hear that. There's a lot of brightness in the tones, which is cool. It's so beautifully balanced. And the layering is fantastic too. Just because it's a slightly less experimental listen than the, the previous one doesn't mean the attention to detail isn't there. It's actually probably more so for mine. A lot of the detail is in the layering where things sit. The last two tracks on this were really cool. They were the longest and sort of darkest parts. And that female vocal by pseudonym um, is a really nice touch on this. Switching the storytelling perspective. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I wish I'd thought of that first. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, as opposed to Trash Vegas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the her vocal and her tone and also the way they switched the storytelling aspect when she came into the to the to the I guess the overall novel, I guess, of this album was really well done. This is a really solid follow-up to that to their debut. You get you ex- what you expect from them, but you also get a lot more than that too. Like I said, Black Sabbath is probably where your anchor point to this is going to be, but there's a lot more going on than that. And this is one that grows in your more, the more you listen to it as well. I really, I couldn't put, I've listened to this for a while. Obviously it came out in February, but just 
haven't been able to put it away. It's been a really good listen this year. So eight and a half out of 10 from me. I also picked 2020, Dark in the Light and The Void, Tempest as my standouts on this one. So it's a bit of a diverse section there. Yeah, it's pretty so, much all tracks. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there you go. There's something for everyone on that album, obviously. Now we're going from something that was obviously universally loved to something that's going to be a lot less universally loved, I have a feeling. Uh, this is Tommy Lee with Andro. 13 tracks for 32 minutes. The third solo studio album from the Motley Crew drummer. Uh, released October 2020 by Better Noise. Produced by Tommy Lee at Lee's Basement. Uh, this is an album that Tommy composed, produced, and does backing vocals on, but each track themselves has an individual guest vocalist. And Brendan thought this would be interesting to do it, which is why we've picked it up. And we're going to hold the powder on that one and go to Tim first on this. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> when I first listened to this, I thought um, he's just sitting like in a room by himself, like with a, 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 a computer program and just you know, getting a bunch of random sounds and putting them in order and then he just released it like a 15-year-old SoundCloud rapper. Yep. Um, he's got guest vocalists for each song, which means he actually put effort into it. <laughs> like he actually tried. This is like, the, this is the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life and I've heard Vince Neil. Like this is... <laughs> this is... Like if this if this does not confirm Motley Crue is the most untalented band in the history of music, then Jeez. then I think Jody will have words this time, Tim. Then you know Mick Mars is going to be rolling in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen that man. There's no way he's not a corpse on like <laughs> with like a puppet <laughs> holding him up on stage. Man, that guy is fucking. <laughs> He belongs in he looks like he looks he looks like the, 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 the evil woman in the Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> this is fucking awful. Like and I can't believe he actually put effort in I can't believe a fucking label released this. Holy shit. <laughs> but, oh, uh, produced in Lee's basement, yeah, no shit. Um <laughs> straight in the bin. Uh, see you later. This is the worst one of, one of the worst albums of the year. And I heard Corey Taylor's album. Oh, Ooh, that's Jesus. fighting words too. Dim's fighting words for sure. Yeah. Fuck. All right. Brendan, do you have anything redeeming about this album to say? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Now, okay. first, I want to redeem myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I put this up as a suggestion without hearing it. Yeah. You, <laughs> I did say, I did you say did. to you, from all, all the feedback I'm reading, this could be an interesting review, but I hadn't heard it yet. Well, I think you got what you wanted. Uh, well, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here um, we go. I'll be honest. When it started, I didn't hate it. Like the first two tracks, I'm like, yeah, right. I'm kind of, I'm kind of along for the ride. You dancing? Kind of felt like you know you when, when. Yeah, that's the second track. No, that's my highlight. Oh fuck. Yeah, that's why I think actually that's the best song on the album for this reason though. It seemed to me like a fun like regurgitator when they were doing like the Prince piss take kind of thing with the, the mm. song formerly okay. known as. It kind of had that bouncy yeah, I get happy vibe to it. So for the first two tracks, I'm sitting there going, yeah, okay, I don't hate this as much as I thought I would. And then it fell right off a fucking cliff from there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's redeeming features about the first six and a half minutes. Um, so if you make it that far, 
more for you because it's all bad from there. Um, yeah, this is this is awful. It's it's awful, and it, it actually gets worse as it goes. It really does get progressively worse and worse and worse to the point where you're just skipping songs after 35 seconds because you just know what you're in for. Mm-hmm. It's it's bad, and I do like Motley Crue, and I think Tommy Lee's an underrated drummer, and I think I'm a Motley Crue fan. It's a really awful. underrated guitarist, by the way, Tim. Yeah. Um, Vince can't. Oh, no, I, 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 no, I have nothing wrong with his guitar playing. He's a corpse on still. Oh, he's absolutely. He's, but he's been a corpse since 1987. So I've yeah, got that. Um, yeah. Look, this, this is, this is, this is pimply dog shit. Old man learned, uh, bought a Mac and decided to play with it. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> two out of ten, and the two because the first two tracks didn't make me vomit. The rest of them. Okay. Didn't. All right. <laughs> Old man bought a Mac also describes his film debut. <laughs> <laughs> that was old man bought an iPhone. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm going to continue the pile on here. Um, I was, I really, because of the amount of rap going into this, the only I was. It's actually good to get you two guys on this versus. You can imagine uh, Dave reviewing this. I'm sure it'd be quite similar. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more vicious. Um, this is pretty painful. I yeah. uh, so having you two on here, uh, I thought that might you know give it some sort of redeeming justification, but clearly not. I am deeply concerned as what the fuck this is going to do to my algorithm uh, on Spotify. <laughs> deeply concerned. Oh, oh yeah, there are a few. There's at least one album every year that you got to worry about, didn't there? Um, this has to be now. I've listened to some of his solo stuff here, Mot- uh, his Tommy Lee or, or Methods Mayhem stuff. So I knew it was going to be different to Motley Crue. That wasn't yeah. my thing. My expectations were tempered before going into it. I did have some hope when you go Sorry. through the track order and stuff, and you go through it all, and you see that Lucas Frosty from um who had worked with him on Rockstar Supernova. I've got Tim, Supernova. but I don't think I've got... Oh, we got to drop out again. Tim, are you with me? Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's not my problem this time. It's This time it's Brendan's problem. Um... I'll just go with it. <laughs> yeah, All right, I'm going to keep running and then we'll eventually get Brendan back. Look, I knew that... Be... Oh, I think he's starting to come back now. I think there was... We knew there'd be some rap. I wasn't prepared for how bad that would be. The The... Lucas Rossi thing I was mentioning before because he was with him on Rockstar Supernova. I thought, you know, I, he was an impressive vocalist back then, um, but I wasn't prepared for him doing a subpar Justin Timberlake impression on that one. That was mm. that was irksome. Mm. I knew there'd be rap like I said before, but I did how bad it was. Like I, I can't judge rap to save my life, but how bad it was was in wow. The, the the lyrics were shit. <laughs> Nothing flowed, and this whole thing feels like a Fast and Furious knockoff soundtrack. It's the nauseating use of actually nauseating use of panning and bottom end. It was painful. There isn't a single actual yeah. instrument on this, uh, which isn't the end of the world. But it's the first time I'll say that being able to hear everything is a detriment to the record. Normally, I'm all for that, but this time you, that's bad. That you've got an average cover cover of Prince's "When You Are Mine" that doesn't help this at all. Mm. Whatever goodwill might have been earned by that track was destroyed by what came next, which was I'm a huge Josh Todd fan. 
Huge Josh Todd fan. I do not need to hear him doing his most Camp Willem Dafoe impression of all time. That was painful. What was that? Yeah. That was horrible. Uh, the execution is poor, just in how this was assembled. It's almost as though he just ran out whatever was keeping him going. He just sort of walked off halfway through a song. It was, I fucking don't know what this was. And for 32 minutes, this was long, long. I was listening to all the Halloween albums before doing this. And so I'm able to listen to long albums. This was painfully long. There's simply nothing new or exciting or interesting about this. Unless you are an absolute diehard fan, stay right the fuck away from this thing. Uh, if he's happy, then cool. Good for him. But this fucking made my ears bleed. This is going in the bin. That's all I've got to say about that. That was horrible. Not a single redeeming factor on that. But anyway, as is our norm now, we'll take a quick intermission and uh, hopefully we'll get Brendan. It was a double donut. That was a double, double donut. Donut. <laughs> donut all round. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I gave it two, so I brought the average right up. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, brings us to a 14-game rolling average. case a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll take a quick break and we'll come right back. <laughs> We're back from our little intermission. Coming up next for you, we have Mr. Bungle with the Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny demo. Uh, 11 tracks with 56 minutes. The fourth studio album from the American band released October 2020 via Ipecac. Uh, produced by Mr. Bungle at Studio 606. This is a re-recording of the band's first self-released demo from 1986, along with some new tracks. Uh, this is all their, also their first album in over 20 years. Their first to have performances from Dave Lombardo from Slayer and Scott Ian from Anthrax. There's a nice little guest spot from Rhea Perlman, who people might know her from Cheers on this one too. Brendan, let's see how you go on this one first. Um, I had the first single pop up in my algorithms. Have you guys you look on your face? Oh, yeah, you saw it there. Yeah, back and forth a bit. Yep. Oh God, should I keep going or not? Give it a go. We've got audio. All right. uh, yeah, the first single came up my algorithms. I uh, listened to it and thought, "Far, that's really up my alley. This is this is going to be interesting." So I was really looking forward to this album. Um, as it turns out, this was the album that I think 2020 needed. Mm. Uh, this is one of the best sort of, and I'd have to call it almost a thrash metal album I've heard in fucking ages. Mm. Um, when I heard the single, I was expecting you know, the rest of it, dare I say it, to be a Mr. Bungle album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I kind of didn't get one. No, you know, it's I got, not what you think, is it? Yeah, I got a metal album and uh, a metal album that I fucking loved. Mm. Um, I played it like three times straight and I'll keep playing it. It's one of my favourite releases of the year so far. I've struggled to fault it. Wow, cool. I don't know where the fuck Rhea Perlman was, but I'm going to have to go back and find that again. She did a voiceover on Anarchy Up Uranus, I think it was. <laughs> well, of course she did. But, yeah. <laughs> Straight, you know, from talking to Woody and Coach behind the bar to, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, no, awesome. Uh, I can't fault it at all. Cool. Everything about it. Like Patton's vocals, fantastic. Yeah. The band, amazing. I thought it sounded great. Um, 10 out of 10. Fuck it. Um, cool. I liked Raping Your Mind, Mathematics, great every song, and Spreading <laughs> the Thighs of Death. And uh, that's only because I didn't think of writing that song first. <laughs> it's the kind of thing I wish I wrote. 
<laughs> cool. Tim. Yeah, um again, I think I think Brendan actually summed it up when he said I was expecting a Mr. Bungle album and got a thrash metal album. Mm, yep. I think there's like the choice of uh Dave Lombardo and Scott Ian in, in like in hindsight, you know, with how this album turned out as a stroke of genius. Because mm, yeah. really those two guys are probably perfect for it. Um But really like I, I, this 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 is the sort of this is the sort of album that made me want to play music. That made me want to participate. This is, I cannot fault this at all. This is brilliant. Um, the performances are spectacular. Everything's recorded really well. Everything sounds great. You can hear everything's spot on perfectly. Like the writing is spectacular. Like this is this is one of this is one of the best albums of the year. This is for sure a top ten on everybody who's who listens to it. Yeah. Um. I, I, I'm struggling to fault it. I thought, I thought, you know, for the thrashier albums, I thought the Testament album from this year would be hard mm. to top, but I think mm. this this one's topped it um, pretty comfortably, which is saying something because I love that album too. So yeah, ten out of ten. Uh, Raping your mind for mine as well is a is a highlight and Bungle Grind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this is gonna be funny because we're gonna get some uh, different highlights on this one. I'm not the biggest connoisseur of Mr. Bungle. I have listened before, but I'm not going to sit here and say that I know all the stuff. You just sort of have an idea in your head of what to expect from Mr. Bungle. And this isn't quite that as it's been covered off. It's much more thrashy than I was expecting. Uh, What caught me right at the start was the production. It was beautiful, Uh, punchy yet bright. There was grit. The panning, there was panning on absolutely fucking everything on the drums, the guitars, everything. And I'm sitting there going, Okay, I'm in heaven right now listening to this because the mix was fucking amazing. Uh, all the separation was there. I mean, for how busy this is, you can hear absolutely everything. It's It's got really melodic stuff, but then you've got the eclectic stuff in there too, which you do expect, but then the heavy stuff, and it all sounds fantastic. It all flows from one part to the other. There's nothing that's clipped or left behind or buried or whatever. It's, it's beautifully done. Uh, I thought there was some really nice lead guitar work on this, especially like you've got Trace Bruins working with Scott Ian in such a fantastic way on this. Uh, If anything, this is a much more straight ahead thrash album than I think any of us expected, but they worked really nicely together. So in having, you know, uh, Dave Lombardo in there as well was like you said, fucking well done. That, that, that rhythm section of Dave Lombardo and, and Scott Ian is a very good anchor that allowed everyone to just build around it. Mike Patton soars over all this, as you expect. His aggression is beautiful too. Like all uh, the energy. He's a, he's, a, he's a genuine, he's a genuine superstar. Merrigan is probably the best vocalist, pure vocalist of the modern day. Yeah. Hmm. For what he can do, how diverse he can do things. Okay, here we go. Brendan's going to disagree. That'd be another hot topic for another time. Um, <laughs> he's up there. He's definitely up there. I, he's he's eh, <laughs> what he can do. I think that's karma freezing you, Brendan, for a minute. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Tim and I are in agreement, so we're working just fine. <laughs> um, look, there was, I love the instrumental opening. Then there was a, a narrated track. There was use of La Cucaracha in this. This whole thing is fun. It's aggressive yet entertaining. I want to see this live. I want to see them play this cover to cover live. This would be a ball. 
the timing changes are there, which you expect from this band, but the, the competition's fantastic. Not a lot of clean vocals overall. It's more aggressive, but when they do use that and the groove as well, it does get broken up really nicely. But the lyrics, lyrics are fantastic. Mike Patton is one of the best in that regard. If you, I'd never heard this before. I know this is a re-recording of old songs and stuff like that. That's probably the only reason why I didn't give it a 10 is because it's not all brand new kind of stuff. But it feels like a new record. The energy is from today. Like none of this feels old at all. And the music and the lyrics and that are still relevant. So this is originally a lot of this from 1986. It's held up how many years later? It's doing really, really well. So fucking testament to what they did back then too. Basically, if you like your metal a little bit different, then get onto this. Uh, it's a nice little positive surprise for 2020. It's probably, yeah, like you said, an album we needed this year. This and probably the new ACDC album, hopefully, if that lives up to expectations, will be ones that will redeem a lot out of the shit show that's been 2020. I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. I picked Erasist, Anarchy Up Uranus, and Hypocrites, or Habla Española Muer. That was my choice. No, we want to. Got a, we've got a few crossovers and a few different ones there. But now it's time for. Hopefully it came through. Hey, so now we're going to go to our main event of the evening. And that is seven dust with blood and stone. Uh, 13 tracks for 49 minutes. It's the 13th studio of the American band released October 2020 by Rise Records. Produced by Michael Basket at Studio Barbarossa in Florida. And this album features a cover of Soundgarden's The Day I Tried to Live done as a tribute to Chris Cornell. Um, Tim, you go first on this one. Yeah, look, um, Conflicting opinions on this one. Like, I really like Seven Dust. I've seen them live a few times, listened to all the albums. I think Morgan Rose is one of my favourite drummers of all time. Um, but listening to this album, I think everything's good, but nothing's great. Okay. I think it's a very, I think it's a very polished, professional album. I think there's a lot of very good hard rock songs. Everything sounds really like. I mean, this band's been around forever now, so they. They're, they're at a point now where they know what they're doing and everything's well polished and professional, if that's the right thing. But there's nothing about this that I think um, would make me pick this over listening to another Seven Dust album if I was going to listen to Seven Dust. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah it's very mean. good. That's not that's not that's not to say it's not it's not worth a listen. It's 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 good it's a good album, but yeah, it's it feels like it's a it's a uh, an album to release so they can keep touring and playing praise. Um <laughs> yeah. Cool. Blood from a stone. I actually really liked the cover that I tried to live, thought that was very good. Yeah, well done. But yeah. Yeah, seven and a half out of ten. It's good, but it's not spectacular. All right, cool, Brendan. I I very much dislike when we all agree on everything. Mm. Um, <laughs> but to me, this uh, and I've never been a massive Seven Dust fan. Although I don't dislike them, it's not the kind of band I'd turn off. It's just not a band I'd go to. Yep. Um, this I could only describe as the Seven Dust album. Mm. It's it's just all it is. It sounds like Seven Dust. It's it's all fucking very clicky and, and and very produced and very good, but it's just very seven dust and it just does very little for me. It this kind of uh, I don't know what what you 
what do you call it? What what does seven is classified as? New metal doesn't sound right. It's no, that's what they sort of through modern metal, I guess. Yeah, it just it, it doesn't do there's very few bands it's, in that kind of genre that really cut through to me. And that's probably because I'm a depressed old man. But <laughs> it's just I can only describe it as a seven dust album, and even the buddy Chris Cornell cover just made it sound like fucking seven dust. It's just <laughs> His, his, vocals, his, his vocals really make give them such a unique sound. Yeah, Lejean is a his great vocals one. are very recognizable. Mm. His vocals are very recognizable, mm. and it's almost to a detriment. Yeah, but what does it make it sound like? Seven dust. Seven dust. That's, yeah. that's what I mean. It's almost to a detriment on an album like this. Yeah. 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 An album. The performance is good. It sounds good, and if you like this kind of stuff, you'll you'll probably love it. But to me, it just plods along and does its thing. Um, mm. Five out of ten because it's a seven okay. dust album. <laughs> Any standouts in particular, or? <laughs> hey, he's on it. Well, it's hard <laughs> to tell them apart, so no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. I am a fan of Seven Dust. Uh, some of their work is generally regarded as that hit and miss kind of territory for a lot of the panelists on the show over the years. This one's a little bit more melodic than the last album was. I thought the last album was more sort of heavy hitting. This one goes back to the melody a bit more of the older days, but Lejean found sounds fantastic. He, he never puts in a bad performance on the vocal. I think is fantastic. I love his, the tone. Yes. It makes it all sound like a seven dust album. I get the critique, but I love his vocal tone. I never get tired of hearing it. Uh, I think it's fantastic. If you guys have never listened to uh, Angel's son, that's a great track. His vocal on that is fantastic. That's not on this album. So we'll move on. Um, yeah. uh, so anyway, but I think in terms of vocal delivery, this was a bit more of a blast in the past. The whole thing was more melody focused overall. Uh, the performance is not sort of suited around that too, which is cool. It's still punchy, riffy, the drums, the rhythms, like it does still sound like a seven dust album, but they've got this, they've opened up the space more than they did on the previous release, which is cool. Uh, you know, they got the big sound wall, which was their style, but I liked how the top end and the bottom end balanced off against each other in this, which is cool. Everything was clear, which is a nice, I think the last album was a touch more compressed than this one was. They've, they've moved further back from the edge of the sound war kind of effect, which is cool, or loudness war, I should say. I thought there was some nice use of sort of synth and little effects on this. The layering the vocals, cutting it over the top was cool. You know, it's not this, not a live performance. It's a very much a studio performance, but they did it very well. And I thought the lyrics were well done too. They've always got strong lyrics, but this is pretty cool. Track order flowed nicely. You know, it's got some radio stuff in there as well, which you expect from this band. But I, I thought the cover was a nice touch too. It's one of those ones where, for me, being a fan of the band, the more I sat with it, the more I, I took it in, the more it grew on me over time. Uh, but I do understand exactly why people will hear this and go, this is just a Seven Dust album because it does sound like a Seven Dust album. So if you're a fan of the band, this will probably be about what you expect if you're not a fan of the band this is safe enough to dive in on and, and see where you land uh but i think that I, they just have a very solid body of work overall and this is another addition to that solid body of work so eight and a half out of ten for me what you've become criminal and blood from a stone my standouts on this one although i do get why people are saying what they say about it because it all makes sense from the point of view being raised 
But I think that's we've come to the conclusion of proceedings for this one. We actually finally got there after how many internet fuck-ups in an episode can we possibly have? The outtakes before we even started filming the episode proper are going to be hilarious watching me dropping in and out for the best part of an hour. Um, <laughs> so that'll be fun. But uh, before we get to the bin, that'll come up and I'm sure that'll be entertaining. Uh, who's got the fun bin, by the way? Have we decided that yet? Or who's got a, who's got a serious bin that wants to go first? I'll go first. Uh, okay, you're yeah. all right. Cool. All right. So anyway, before we get to the bin, uh, we have our details. Please follow us on all of our subscription, like subscribe, follow us, all that sort of stuff. The, the details are in the description for this, either watching or listening. Uh, please check out our Patreon page. Any help you can give us via that platform, every little bit counts. So that would be greatly appreciated. And uh, we have like giveaways and Zoom sessions stuff in there to get into as well. Thank you to our amazing sponsors in Squidding, Strengthening, Alt, Colt and Rockstar Finance. Again, their details are in the description as well. Please give them a follow, chuck them a like, something like that, just to give them a little bit of love to uh, show some support for the help they give us here at the show. We're not only online, so check us out on television uh, on Saturday nights on Channel 31 in Melbourne and Geelong at 10.30pm and 10.30pm on Thursday nights in Adelaide on Channel 44. Our next special coming up at the end of the month is all about the year that was 1980. We've gone through some of the albums for that and there's going to be some very cool little lists put together on that one, so it'll be a bit of fun. Uh, Good year for football too. It is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> As you would say. And coming up in our next episode, I believe we're going to go through High as Hell, Nuclear Power Trio, Eternum, which is Steve Hughes's new release, uh, and a few oh. other things in there as well. So there's a bit, bit going on in the next one. Uh, but that'll come up soon enough. But before we get to any of that... <laughs> time for the bin. And Brendan, you wanted to go first, so what have you got for the bin this week? Um, stop arguing about politics with your friends, mm. particularly online. Now, yeah. I'm not saying don't discuss politics. I'm saying don't argue about politics. We've seen it, obviously, mm. quite aggressive in the last six months because here, particularly in Victoria, we've all been locked up mm-hmm. and you've got the Dan Andrews versus the non-Dan Andrews, both sides being equally fucking erratic and absurd you are not going to change your friend's opinion on one or two sentences no. it's not possible you can have a healthy discussion if you uh, uh, many are not are we frozen again uh you're sort of coming back to us <laughs> anyway, now i'll just keep going tell me what yeah keep start. going um, <laughs> okay um but just be very careful. These people are supposed to be your friends. People vote yeah. different ways for different reasons. Give everyone their space. Give them their time. Let them say their piece, but don't badger and argue with each other because it's not constructive. It doesn't help. And you're actually just going to lose friends. So yeah. stop that. Makes it worse. Well done. We got there. Mm. Tim. Yeah. Uh, inconsiderate drivers of traffic lights. um like like okay so if i'm in the far left lane because i'm going to the fucking petrol station on the other side of the traffic lights and you're riding my ass because you want to get ahead of the car in front of me go fuck yourself (laughs) on on the side note too like when there's a truck waiting at a red light 
and a truck goes behind it and then goes, no, nah, fuck that. I'm going to go in the lane next to it so I can overtake that truck. It's like, fuck you. You're in a truck anyway. We're all trying to overtake you, our slow assholes. Elephant racing. <sighs> For fuck's sake, man. Like, we're trying to avoid being stuck behind this big steel solar eclipse. So, like, you're all slow. Just get in behind it. Get in the slow lane. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah that's my opinion. The, the the troubles we rediscover as we come out of lockdown. Oh my god! <laughs> hey, how good was no traffic again. for six months? Fuck, traffic, no traffic was awesome for six months. <laughs> Probably one of the one of the few perks. The only problem was you couldn't yeah. fucking go anywhere. Um, Lock us down again so I can get to work. <laughs> can we just can, what we what we need is we need a curfew just to lock down families from eleven to four. <laughs> yeah. and I, back back to my last bin yeah, where I put the fine. fucking the, the school drop off where they just yeah. shut down a fucking suburb so you can drop off some up, overprivileged little fucking Durak <laughs> fucking at school and fucking, <laughs> fucking Porsche Cayenne or your fucking Land Rover you piece of shit fucking soccer mum get the fuck out of the way let the kid walk and Damn ride it. See, and you know what that's the car that's riding you when you're trying to go to the petrol station exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have walked right into a Seinfeld episode right now. <laughs> wow. I, I can't follow it up, but I've got a couple of quick little things here. <clears throat> um, first things first, going through some research for artists. Uh, there are a lot of lazy quote unquote scene based publications where they, you know, they try and keep up with the underground or get all the emails and that. But all they fucking do is copy and paste the press release and stick it on their website. Fucking lazy. Actually do some research and write something up that fucking comes from you, not just copy and paste. It's amazing the amount of times you get a new album, you go and do some research, you keep hitting the fucking same websites to find more information. And it's the same thing over and over again, which I know that because I've got the same fucking email. Oh, boring, annoying. And on top of that, in honor of tonight's episode and the technical difficulties, Australia, the NBN, in the fucking bin. Piece of shit. Fuck me dead. How do we fuck that up? Still bastards we could get into that but we'd end up with an argument on the internet which would yeah yeah well yeah well that would (laughs) 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 but anyway that's it for this week we got there in the end uh technical difficulties and all numerous restarts and reboots and everything else going into it as well so we finally got there hopefully you've managed to get through this one with us thank you for tuning in and checking out our stupidity while you do so and thank you to you too as well for taking the time out to do this one with us tonight Uh, But we'll see you all again very, very soon. Until then, I'm Andrew. I'm Brendan. I'm Tim. Got your names right this time. Well done, boys. Until next time. (laughs) Rock on. Welcome to the Hard Rock Show. I'm Andrew. Yeah, we didn't set that up right. So I'm Brendan, Tim, then right. Tim. I was just thinking because Tim's now up there where he normally isn't. But yeah, I no, we'll do Brendan, then Tim, because that's what okay. I've got on my screen. I'll move myself. <laughs> All right. All right. Take two. All right, cool. We'll do a take two. <laughs> First time I've done a take two on the, on the intro. <laughs>
via Zoom. All right, cool. Um, because in theory, June would be the farewell to TV yet again, barring a absolute miracle, um, which I'm not banking on. And because April is the 10th anniversary of the show, should we do an anniversary? <laughs> you know what we should do for that? We should do a John Farnham special. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. I will pay that. That's I'll pay that. That's very clever. Uh, John. I mean, a gift special would also work, but I think you've done enough of those. Yeah. <laughs> we, should just, we, should just, we should just replay the finale we shot last year because that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Well, just for the irony, just replay the kiss special. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> I did do do a six hour supercut. There'll be enough there. Orange. We <laughs> have first. to bring an orange. Yeah, we, we made the mistake, and it might have been before your time in the band, Tim, when we hand, handed out a bag of oranges to the crowd. Yeah, okay. some of them came back. It wasn't smart. <laughs> I was going to say, like that's a that, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, no, we should have came back at a high velocity. We should have cut them into wedges first. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, Marge Simpson giving out the pretzels. That's yeah. 